great to uh, be here and I'm going to be speaking on this topic of gifts and uh, it's a sermon series that I preached a couple of years ago over quite a while, 12 sermons in all and this is sermon number five. So let me explain why this one is being preached two years after all the rest even though it was preached two years ago as well. Uh, The reason is because it didn't get taped for some reason and we just figured it would be a great idea to have the full set up on the, uh, uh, the website And part of the reason for doing this is to remind people that the series is there and it makes a difference. It's the sort of stuff that we really want people to be thinking about, praying about, working through in their own lives personally, but in their wider missional communities and in the life of the church. And so this is is fulfilling a kind of a, a function, double function. One is to get it taped, but the other is for us to say, hey, if you didn't hear that series, you haven't thought about it much for a while, please make the effort to go back and look. And uh, we think that uh, understanding the gifts we have is one of the key ways that we uh, serve the Lord with fulfillment, with uh, satisfaction, with success, because that's what God intends. And so um, that's what we're doing. Now, the one that just happens to be is the gift of helping and serving. And in many ways, this is the kind of the the lowliest of all the gifts. That's the point. We'll actually see more about that. Uh, so uh, the, the rest of the series, 12 sermons I said, and I talk about the controversial gifts, you know, like giving you money, and uh, other gifts, teaching, mercy, all sorts of different things. So what I hope is that you'll, um, you'll just, over the next couple of months, just every now and then dip in and listen to another one and reflect on it for your own sake, but also how can I encourage somebody, oh, encouragement's another one too, how can I encourage somebody uh, in the gift that they've got that I've identified? And the more we think and talk and pray around these issues, uh, the more we'll be empowered for service the way God made us to function as a body, the body of Christ, with the spirit pulsating through us and the head, Christ, moving us all forward. And so this, uh, this is serving as a kind of a reminder to the importance of this topic for being God's people on mission in God's place. Helping and serving. And the title of the series is Grace with a Ribbon on It. There's a a link, we don't get it in grace and gift, sound like two different kind of root words, but in Greek, uh, one is charis and the other is charisma. Grace is charis, God's grace to us, and charisma is the gifts. And so the idea is that God shows his grace, his love, his goodness, his kindness towards us. He shows that in people, in giving gifted ones amongst us. And it's like a little package. God wants us to have his grace in our lives. And there's all sorts of ways he have that through Christ, through his spirit. But he also he shows it to us through his body, through the person next to you, through the person in, in your uh, uh, life group, your missional community. And it's like a little ribbon on it because they're a real thing you can touch and feel and go, ah, yes, that is a person. And their gift blesses me. And that's the intention that God would show himself to us that way and that we'd acknowledge it in the life of our uh, fellowship together. And so that's the series, Grace with a Ribbon on It. And we're looking at this one, Helping, Serving. It's the same sort of idea. You see, the word helping uh, in, in Greek, antilambano, forget that word now. I just said it because that's the word. Um, that's what servants do. They help. Now, we're going to learn a lot about the value of having uh, this humble gift used amongst us. But uh, it helps us right from the start to realize that that gift of helping and serving, those things are much the same sort of concept. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we've got a whole lot of verses, but they're not quite in order. I just noticed I've made a change or two here. I'm sorry, so do your best, video guy. (coughs) 
In, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 2, uh, Paul talks about slaves aiding, doing good service. And that's this idea that you're a slave, you're a servant, you help and serve. Now, um, given the way Christianity functions, it's, there's a lot of things about Christianity that's just the opposite of the world. Just the opposite. There's a sort of an inversion of how the world values certain things, and yet the, the Scriptures, God, values the complete opposite of those things. And so we shouldn't be surprised, therefore, when we come and look at this, to go, oh, okay, there's this lowly activity, lowly service of the, of the servant, that God will actually value that. And what's more, that God's people will value that. Because that's, that's the concept that we're working with. A humble gift will be valued by those with the eye of faith. Uh, we have verses uh, where God gives grace to the humble. Where those who, who recognize their status before him, he will give them grace. See how these ideas all t uh, fit together. That he will bring down the proud. Now, in our world, you've only got to look at the newspapers a bit. Those who are succeeders, those who are dominating the press, those who kind of get stuff, to, they are valued. Those proud, but that's the very person God says he'll bring down. See the inversion? It, it's just completely the opposite of what the, the world values. And that's what we expect in terms of how God will bring justice to this world. Now, as a key concept when we think about these gifts, and if you, uh, not, I shouldn't say, if, when you listen to the other 11, alrighty, when you, see that, that just little language difference, if you listen, no, no, when you listen, see the point? When you listen to the other 11, what you'll notice is the same structure we're going to follow through at each point in, in each of the sermons. And the first thing I want to say that uh, you'll hear again and again listening to those is that all of us are to do this kind of thing. But some of us have the gift. And that's true across all the gifts. It's true of the gift of showing mercy. Uh, there's verses that say all of us are to show mercy. But we're told some have the gift of mercy. We're told all of us are to teach. Older people to younger people is the, the most obvious one. But some have the gift of teaching. And so uh, you go through all the gifts. That pretty much all of them are like that. And so we see here there are verses that talk to us about... Uh, uh, serving, humbly, helping others. 1 Peter 4, verse 10, I think we have got that verse. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So all of us are to be serving. There's other similar passages in Romans and various other places. Helping is used in, in 1 Corinthians 12. So we've got these ideas of, of helping and serving. And that's what everybody do. There's a passage that says church leaders especially should be those kind of people. Helpful people, serving people, humble people. And the key thing to notice here is that if God is giving this thing, then he must have it already. And so God is the origin of helpfulness. God is the origin of servanthood. Uh, now, it's not how we normally think of God, and it's, it's one of those things we've got to say many things about God to speak truly about God. And so when we talk about God, of course he is the great creator. Of course he is the Lord and the king and the one who started the world and the one who finished the world. And we ought to be in awe of him. Those things are true. And also, and also he helps us. This is a key theme in the Old Testament. And when you listen through the, uh, the other talks, what you'll notice is that uh, I want to talk about who God is in the Old Testament 
who God has shown himself in, in Jesus in the New Testament, and that those characteristics, that God is all these things, all these gifts, he's the teacher, he's the one who shows mercy, the one who shows hospitality, all those things are true. So let's have a look at what we see in the Old Testament, this idea of God who is the one who helps us. In um, Genesis chapter 4, right at the very start, when uh, the first baby is born, Adam and Eve's first little baby, uh, Eve gets so excited because she says, uh, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. With the f help of the Lord. So even, uh, um, even in the pain of childbirth, she is conscious not of herself, <laughs> but of God being helper to make this thing possible. What an extraordinary thing, that first, first little baby is for anybody, but here Eve is declaring it in this way. At the end of Genesis, we have uh, the story of Joseph, of a wise man. That's how Joseph is portrayed. You go right through the last um, dozen chapters or so of Joseph. It's just his life is so up and down. Oh my goodness! You know things are good, things are great at home. His brothers hate him. They sell him as a slave. He, he's in Egypt as a slave, and then he rises up high, and then he's put down again, and then he rises up high again. Through all of this turmoil in his life, at the end of his life and in relationship to his family and his brothers, he calls out and he says, the Lord helps you and blesses you. Have we got that verse up there, Genesis? No, it's there. Um, 49.25. To Joseph, Isaac says, because the, the, your father's God who helps you, because of the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the skies above, blessings of the deep springs below, blessings of the breast and womb. And so there's that, that, uh, that, those words of Joseph that he is, he is helped, blessed, uh, and helped by God. In Exodus, uh, early parts of Exodus, when the people are as slaves in Egypt, <coughs> they cry out to God, and they call out to him, and they ask for help, and God hears their cry, and he helps them. He's the one who comes to help, to be with the people. And uh, he speaks to Moses, I'll come and help them, I'll rescue them. And the formation of the people of Israel is that they are to be uh, a people who help each other. So the laws, many of the laws, you know, you have the, the ten biggies, the ten commandments, which set the kind of general principles of how the community is to live. But then there's hundreds of other little specifications. Do this, don't do that, do it this way. And one of the little ones I love is that if you're an you know, agrarian community, you know, like farms and stuff, if you see your neighbor's cow wandering down the road, you don't just let it go. And you don't take it and steal it. What you do is you take it back to your neighbor. And you have to be helpful. You're just to be a helpful kind of person in the community. And so because God is that helpful God, people will become helpful people. At the very end of uh, Deuteronomy, as the people are about to cross over into the land, God is declared to be their help and their shield. Now, they're going to go off and, uh, and fight battles, so it's kind of handy to know that. God is your shield and your helper. After the great battles with the Philistines in the next generation, when Samuel, the, the, uh, the judge and prophet, is there, uh, after all the great things God has done, he puts up this stone called Ebenezer. You know we've got that song, haven't we? You know, I will raise my Ebenezer. It's a stone. What on earth is that stone? It's a whole mound of stones. It's a reminder that thus far God has helped us. If he's helped us thus far, he'll help us some more. It's a great picture, isn't it? A big pile of rocks. You go, oh, what's the thing? Well, he was with us. He helped us. And so this, this concept that God is the helper, 
comes through again and again. In the Psalms, you know, as David and the other Psalm writers reflect on life, think on all the difficulties of life and all the ups and downs of their own experiences, that God is the helper comes through again and again. Lots of other things too, of course, but God is there as the helper. Phrases like, you rise up and help. Or he calls to him, God, rise up and help. We need your help. He talks about your saving help. He, he says uh, sometimes, help us because of your unfailing love. I can actually be confident that God will be this kind of God to me. Come quickly, God, and help me. These are the kinds of phrases that the, the believer, the Old Testament believer, grabs again and again. God is the helper. In Isaiah, do you remember that uh, little passage? We're zipping over lots of passages, aren't we? I hope it's bringing things to mind or you'll go and uh, jump into more yourself later. But in Isaiah, God's promises are there and he says, I'm going to strengthen you and I'll help you. He says, do not fear because I'll be there. You know that passage, if you walk through fire or walk through floods, you know, I'll be there. I will help you. It's just a magnificent picture of God being the one who comes alongside and does for us to help us, what we can't do for ourselves. In the Old Testament, we see this is who God is. For all his greatness, even amazingly, he will come on and stand alongside and be the one that will carry us along and help us. In Jesus' ministry, you see just the same thing. We had that one key passage that was read from Mark chapter 10. And uh, it, this is the, the passage where Jesus is he's talking to his disciples and they've got it wrong. They're thinking like the world thinks. And Jesus flips it completely. And he gives them an ex amazing example. He says, look at me and how I'm going to live out this world. In this world, I will go to my death for your sake. The Son of Man came not to be served as a great and mighty one, but to serve, to be the ultimate helper and to give his life as a ransom for many. We see here this servant leadership example of Christ. He spoke it and he did it. And just how amazing an example that is for us. It goes right to the very heart of who God is. It's right at the cross. That we're to understand the great creator God, the one who just by his breath creates the world, the one who upholds the word, upholds the world by the, by the power of his word, as it says in Hebrews. He is the one who will be the servant and will die. And this is an inspiring thing for us. If you find a leader like this, you follow that leader. I don't even have to tell you to do that. You just will. The leader who will be the one who dies for your leader, that's a person you'll follow. And that's the person Jesus is. That's the kind of servanthood. Because you know that he's not in this for his own aggrandizement. You're not going to be pushed aside on the scrap heap as, as the leader goes, no, I'm, I've got my agenda over here. I've got my aggrandizement. My greatness has got to be proven here. No, no, no. He's the servant who will die for you. He's the, the, yeah, the, the leader, servant who will die for you. What an amazing picture. In uh, Paul's uh, experience, he later described this very thing in Acts 20, where he talks about his own uh, relationship with the Ephesians. And he says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, that it's more blessed to give to receive and so so paul and his ministry has been traveling around and teaching the churches how to how to grow and to be themselves he says don't forget this help to help people 
And he quotes this verse. This is not in the, um, in the Gospels, interestingly. This is the only place it is. It's in, in Acts. And if it wasn't written here, uh, in Acts, we wouldn't have known it because the Gospels haven't recorded it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Doesn't that just sound like a Jesus kind of thing? I mean, it is because he says so. But that, that's the point, isn't it? You know, and this is sort of the thrill of the Christian life, it seems to me, is that when you give, when you look after, when you do stuff for others, you get back. You don't do it to get that. It just happens. It's part of God's economy. It's part of how he's structured the world. You get blessing. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. What a glorious concept. What a great way to live your life. And to have that as a, a kind of anticipation of your experience. And that just when that happens, and I'm sure you could all just stop and reflect on your own life, that that is true. Again and again, you give stuff. Then, then you are blessed by it. I always find it interesting when... Um, you know, modern science or uh, modern research back up these kind of Bible ideas. You know, the latest thing's been the last several years in language around philanthropy and what's the meaning of life. The economists sit down and they do, you know, surveys and they ask people, so when you do this, what's it, the impact on your life? And if we give you $100 and you decide what to do with it, let's see what makes you happiest. And so the people who give it, for themselves, use it up for themselves, they're kind of a bit happy. And the people who uh, just, you know, keep it and, you know, hang on to it, they're, they're not so happy. And people who, who give it away to somebody else for their benefit, they are the most happy. They do the research on this stuff. It comes up again and again. It just sounds like Jesus' words, doesn't it? More blessed to give than to receive. And in particular, what Paul is meaning in this passage is that we must help the weak. We're going to look after people. And to help the weak means that you're actually taking that position of humility in the relationship to that person. You're not just kind of kicking them further down. So we see that God has this thing in, in bucket loads. And he has this gift. He has, this is who he is. He is the one who helps us. It would be possible, I guess, to really muck that up and think he's only ever the helper. He's only ever the one that is there for us. And part of the thrill, I think, of Christian living is relieving ourselves psychologically from the idea that, you know, it's all about me. That it, we actually, it's a wonderful thing to realize it's all about God and that we, we join his cause, not just he comes along and helps me with my causes. But also the other is true, that he does come and he helps and he aids us in our life, just as we've seen through the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So that's, uh, that's that idea that each of these things... Now, if you... Um, when you're listening, when you're listening to the other sermons, and you hear, you'll see the same concept. And it may be if you're listening to what I've just said now, and you're getting kind of excited about those Bible ideas, maybe you've got the gift of helps, helping servanthood like this. Because what I've noticed is that the people who have this particular gift, or that one, or that one, or that one, when they hear the Bible explained on that theme and realize the nature of God around that giftedness, they get excited. So there's a little clue to you. If you've been excited hearing this uh, explanation, uh, then you may have that gift. If, if you're not so excited, just be grateful that somebody else is and give praise to God for that. But I'm sure you'll just be enjoying the Bible and hearing these stories. I'm, I'm just confident of that anyway. Okay, so let's have a think about the gift itself. What does it actually look like? This gift of helping, this gift of serving. It's, um, people with this gift are very practical people. They just get on and do stuff. You know, what's all the fuss? What are you doing all the talking? Let's just do it. Actually, I did it yesterday anyway, so stop talking. You know, that kind of person? I love those kind of people. They get things done. 
And, you know, you imagine you're on this, uh, this little organizing committee and you've got all these different gifts and different people and you're handing out the jobs on the team activity and you're, John, you're, you're the leader. You know, we need someone to set the vision. Great, John does that. Yep, I'm in. I'm lead. I've got a few ideas already. And you say, well, Alicia, we need someone to design the thing. And Alicia's, oh, fantastic. You know, this and this and colors, colors, you know, stuff, and media. That's Alicia. She's just having a ball. And then you say, um, now, it's a little bit, uh, little bit sensitive. Um, KC, we really need you to work on this. You know, you've got to go and kind of massage that relationship over there because we want to achieve stuff, but we don't want to hurt people. KC's, oh, yeah, I'm praying for that one. I'm pr- that's me. I'm up for it. And then you say, uh, now, Jimbo, will you just help everyone else? And Jimbo goes, yes, very quietly because these kind of people are not usually loud. He goes, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And you know what? Everybody has a great time because the gifts are a portion, the, the tasks are a portion to the gifts and the gifts are a portion to the tasks. And that's what we want to try and achieve. And everybody gets on so well because Jimbo is the guy who helps. That's that kind of person. That's what the gift is. And that they serve means everybody else gets on and serves. And it's quiet, and it's in the background, and it's not a big fuss thing, and it just happens. And that person is using the gifts that God has given them. Sometimes the tasks are even menial, but you know what's going on as they're doing this menial task, whatever it is, they're just going, I'm doing this for the Lord, and I'm doing it for his people. It's great, because I can do this, and the Lord has called me to it. Now, this gift doesn't get noticed much in the world. Uh, this, is, this is often the gift of low pay rates. You know, the hourly rate you get paid for doing menial stuff, that's low pay. You've noticed that, some of you, haven't you? We've all noticed that. But those with the eye of faith notice it in an entirely different way because they see that God has equipped this person and they see the Spirit of God in that person as they do this task, whatever it might be. The helpfulness, the the clarity with which they say, I'm serving the Lord here. That's part of the eye of faith to discern. Quiet, often. Back room, yes. But there it is, serving. This gift is so important for us because it embodies the way God himself functions in this world again and again. And you know, part of what the gifts do is they point us to God. Whichever gift it is, it points us to God. And so what this gift has is that unusual power to say to the community of God, humility is the way that we're to approach life. We need that. I need that. You need that. We need to have somebody modeling for us that God is a helper. But God is not just the one who's in the, the, the big loud stuff or the, 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 the ruling over all things. But God is the one who is quietly helping even the weak. What a beautiful thing that is to have modeled in front of us. And, and so there is a prophetic kind of nature to each of these gifts that says something, declares something about God and reality. And that's what this gift does. And so we need it. We need it for what it achieves, but we also need it for what it shows us about God. It is an inspiration to other people to show and model the humility of Christian living for each one of us. So that's the, uh, the gift and the value of it in our community. It gets stuff done, but it's also showing us what God is like. Then there's the shadow side. And each one of the gifts, and uh, as you listen through, you'll see each one of them have got a shadow side. And the first thing I uh, point I make is the same every time. And that is, 
It might be that the person with a gift thinks everybody should have the gift. Come on, it's just doing that stuff. Everybody can do that. Surely they should. Now, there's a, a point I said right at the start that every gift, everybody should be doing these things. Everyone should be serving each other. Of course we should. But some will have the gift. And it's wrong for that person with the gift to think that everybody should be able to do the gift in just the same cheerful, happy, contented, sort of appropriate way. That's a misunderstanding of how gifts actually work. What's the big idea, you guys? Just stop grumbling and get on with it. You know that kind of idea? So we've, we've, uh, if you have that gift, don't assume that everyone will just be able to do it. The second thing is the, sort of the opposite, and that is thinking it's lowly of the gift that God has given you. Ah, oh, you know, and I can do this. Ah, oh, it doesn't count much. It's not really a thing. Well, see, the world thinks lowly, but not the eye of faith, not the God who gave the gift, and not the fellowship who appreciate it. And so we ought not think lowly of the gift. There's this great little, uh, little phrase in 1 Peter chapter 4 when he's talking about uh, gifts, and he says uh, that you're to do this with the strength that God provides. You're to use, you're to help with the strength that God provides. Isn't that interesting? So... The whole idea is that you ought to consciously be thinking that God is in this. Menial activity, helping thing, not at the front, at the back, doing. God is in this. That transforms life. Transforms all of life. We've got to keep reminding ourselves of the spiritual reality of God's spirit within us. We shouldn't dismiss this as somehow unspiritual when it is uh, aiding to the value of God's people, where it's demonstrating who God is, when it's modeling humility amongst us. That is a spiritual thing. So far from being unspiritual, it is a thing of great beauty. It's a thing that shows us who God is. It embodies the Christian stance of humility that we all need, we all need to be reminded of. The church needs this gift to get stuff done. The church needs this gift to model this reality to us. Servanthood, the very thing of Christ. Well, let me just finish up. We're all of us to be serving each other without grumbling. We're all of us to be servants to each other. But some have the gift. Some have the gift. We ought to be modeling this humility and getting stuff done in the name of the Lord. And if this is your gift, the rest of us will just stand by and clap because we'll see what God is doing in you and we'll see what God is doing through you. And we just applaud. Of course we will. Because we're having modeled to us what God is about and we're having given to us what we need. And it's bundled up in a real-life person we can shake the hand of or even if it's appropriate, give a little hug to, a little punch on the shoulder. Thank you very much. That's great. See, because God has given his grace to us in a person and it's a, a little present it's a little wrapped up little bow on it it's a real life person that we can be grateful to and this is true of all the gifts but right now let me give thanks for those with the gift of helping and serving let's pray gracious father thank you so much for the way you've shown yourself a great and glorious god yet come to our aid and comes to help and comes to serve, most particularly in the Lord Jesus. We do thank you, Father, that you equip people in our fellowship here with this gift of helping. Helping so that we can have things done, 
helping so that we can remind, be reminded of who you are, so that we can be reminded of the humility that we all need to have. And Father, as we all uh, get closer on our way to heaven, we just pray that we might be more deeply appreciative of uh, what you've given to us as a fellowship here, as the body of Christ right here, right now. We're grateful for it, Father, and uh, as we think about all the different gifts, we pray that you might lead us to a deeper appreciation of uh, what you've given, the grace that you've shown in our midst, and just the way that you want us to live all together uh, with this reality. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.